This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. For those seeking genuine transformation, SoundsTrue.com is your trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. Many voices, one journey. SoundsTrue.com. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today, my guest is Lee Holden. Lee is an internationally recognized Qigong master and Chinese medicine doctor. He's also the co-founder of the Santa Cruz Integrative Medicine and Qi Center. At the young age of 40, Lee has already published dozens of books on topics ranging from Tai Chi to stress management. With Sounds True, Lee has created the audio learning series on Taoist sexual secrets, as well as a series on Your Body of Light, along with a new home study course, Qigong for Health and Healing, a complete training course to unleash the power of your life force energy. An online version of this program will begin at Sounds True on October 25th. Details about this course and the live events with Lee Holden are available at SoundsTrue.com. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Lee and I spoke about the self-healing qualities of Qigong and also some of the secret Qigong practices that relate to sexuality and the circulation of energy. We also talked about what Lee calls the inner smile. Lee also offers a breathing exercise called the cleansing breath, intended to help clear tension and stress out of the body. Here's a very practical and insightful conversation with Lee Holden. Lee, I'd love to know, right here at the beginning of our conversation, how someone as young as you has become such an established teacher of Qigong and Taoist healing. Tell me a little bit about your own introduction to Qigong and Taoism. I actually got started in Qigong quite young. I was using these ancient arts for um, my schoolwork and also especially in sports. I was playing soccer at UC Berkeley and got started actually with through my own healing. I had a pretty severe low back injury, and um, I used this practice as a way to heal myself. And you know, once you heal yourself of something, when they say that you're not going to be able to play or not going to be able to move for a, quite a time, it makes a big impression on you. I was about 18 at the time, and after that, I just got so excited about the practice, I just jumped full on into it. So give us a little bit of a sense. Here you are, you're 18 years old, you have an injury. What practice did you discover? What did you do? Well, you know, I remember that some of, I did some martial arts training when I was younger, when I was 10, 11, 12, and through high school. And I remembered one of my teachers breaking bricks and doing all kinds of crazy martial arts stuff. I asked him about it, and he said that was the power of chi. He emphasized that chi and the power of chi wasn't for external demonstration, like I was sort of in awe about what he could do, but he really emphasized how it was mainly for self-healing. Then when I went to school and had this pretty severe low back injury playing soccer, I remembered this. I remembered him telling me that. So I came back to my hometown and got together with him, and he showed me a bunch of exercises for healing. And 
really impressed upon me how we can heal ourselves of our injuries, challenges, and all kinds of stuff, you know, kind of tap into our inner healer and our inner resources. And from that moment on, I just, I don't know, I was just, I just love this art. But what specifically did you do? I mean, did you... What did I do specifically? Yeah. yeah. Okay, there was, um, there was breathing exercises, visualization. Visualization, not just in the sense of just a mentality of it, but actually moving energy in your body. So it was combined visualization, movement or stretches, and breathing exercises. And sort of that's sort of the secret of Qigong. How do we combine and create the right type of bodily position, action, breathing, and mental state to activate our inner healer? Okay, so let's just pretend somebody listening to this is suffering from some kind of back pain. It's a pretty common okay. problem. Give me a sense of how you would work with them. Right. I do that in my clinic all the time these days because back pain, you know, is so prevalent. What I usually do is there's usually an emotional or stress pattern that creates the initial imbalance. In Qigong, we think that the energy imbalance first happens, then the physical manifestation occurs from that. So some kind of emotional stress, mental stress, or stressful life situation will then create some constriction or in Qigong terms, they call it stagnation, like water that doesn't move. It'll accumulate in some area in the body. It doesn't have to be back pain. It can be anywhere in the body. Some people carry it in their digestive organs or neck and shoulders. It can manifest as headaches, all that kind of stuff. So then we focus in on that and create a series of, usually it's a, a prescriptive set of exercises. So instead of giving somebody a pill to take as a prescription, we'll give, I'll give somebody meditations and movements as a prescription to alleviate their problem. Now, very interesting. You said that in the Qigong view of disease and healing, that disease begins, I think you said, at the energetic level and then mm -hmm. manifests physically later. Can you say more about that? Sure. One of my Qigong teachers, somebody asked him once if he ever got sick or had problems. He was giving a lecture on how Qigong helps with the immune system. And he said his reply, which I thought was very interesting and stuck with me for many years, was that he gets sick all the time, but it's usually just for a few minutes. And what he does is that he can sense the imbalance before it actually takes root in our physical bodies. And I find that to be really true. You notice that energetically, when you're sensitive to your system, you'll notice when you're imbalanced before it actually has to go through a whole stage of rooting into the physical body and creating a problem. So in a sense, you're, you're just catching it a lot sooner than allowing it to go through its whole course. Your listening skills and sensitivity to energetics or energy imbalances becomes greatly heightened. And it's it's not really that you don't have any problems anymore, you don't get sick, it's just that you don't you have much more you're much more resourceful and problems that you do have don't last as long or they're much less frequent. Okay, so let's say I want to catch illness at this energetic level before it manifests physically. What would I be looking for? What in my body, what kind of sensation or signal? Right. That's a great question. You know, qigong, the word qigong means 
an expertise at working with our own internal energy. And part of that working is a development of sensitivity. You know, pain, for example, is a signal from our bodies to our minds to say that there's something off or there's some imbalance. And in Qigong, the theory is that if we listen, if we learn to become sensitive and listen to the messages that arise up or bubble up from the body, then the body doesn't have to talk so loudly in terms of the sick pain signals to us, that we're able to create a connection, a true energetic connection between the mind, the body, the emotions, and spirit. And this integration is really what helps us to stay in balance. And balance is the whole key to being healthy. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the breath and healthy breathing from a, uh-huh. qi, from a Qigong perspective. Yeah. I think, you know, breathing, one of the translations of qi, too, besides energy or life force, is life breath. Now, the way that we breathe is always a reflection of how we're feeling. So just by changing the way that we breathe, we change the quality of energy that's circulating in our body. The quality of energy usually refers to some sort of emotional feeling. Like, for example, when somebody's sad, they inhale a lot. It's, it's like they can't exhale or let go. And when somebody's angry, there's a whole different breathing pattern. It's, it's almost all exhale without an inhale. You know, somebody's forcefully exhaling when they're angry, meaning that they can't energetically take in another perspective. They're angry about their own situation. Now, when we feel really good, there's another breathing pattern. It's usually deep, full. It connects to the belly and the lower abdomen. The diaphragm moves, and the chest stays relaxed. Now, when we train that, we're going to be changing the quality of energy that's that's circulating in our bodies. So ideally, we want to breathe in and out through the nose, deep and full into the belly, and with a relaxation that moves through the rib cage and into the chest. And then from there, we work with the breath in conjunction or synchronized with movement. So the breath is a certain way, then we do movement a certain way, and that creates that alignment in where, where energy circulates in a really healthy way. Now, why the emphasis on breathing through the nose and not through the mouth or mouth and nose? There's times when you want to breathe out through the mouth. In terms of energetic principles, sometimes it's good to think about what you want to create energetically for a particular breathing exercise. For example, if you've had a stressful day, then it's good to exhale out through the mouth because it's a cleansing kind of breath. It's a clearing So in general, energetic principles of breathing would be inhale, exhale through the nose would be a way to tonify or strengthen the body's energy. But when you exhale out through the mouth, it's a way to clear out old energy. So Mm -hmm. it's a cleansing breath. So there's different techniques that will help create that internal resourcefulness that you're looking for. And I wonder, Lee, just as a gift to our listeners right now, could you take us through a brief healthy breathing, chi-style exercise? Just how, Absolutely. Just, let's be let's great. start breathing chi-health together right here. That's, yeah. Well, you know, we've been breathing our whole lives, right? We might as well do it with some skillfulness. One breathing exercise I really like, it's called a cleansing breath, and it'll help to, it's a really good exercise to clear stress and tension out of the body. 
it seems that once we've kind of cleared out tension and stress, there's a natural breathing that follows that's much deeper and fuller. So let's try this. So if you can, go ahead and bring both hands on your abdomen. Obviously, if you're driving, you can just do it without putting the hands there. But get in touch with that belly center. So when you inhale, you want that belly center to expand as you inhale. So it just, as you inhale, think of the belly like a balloon. It fills up. And then as you exhale, feel the abdomen move backwards towards the spine. So inhale and fill up in the lower abdomen. As you exhale, the abdomen moves towards the spine. So this is deep belly breathing. This is the way children breathe. They breathe down into their abdomens. It means your diaphragm's moving downward and we're getting a nice internal organ massage. We're stimulating all the internal organs as we breathe. Now at the bottom of your exhale, so you're going to inhale through the nose, exhale through the nose, but now at the bottom of the exhale, go ahead and blow the rest of the breath out through the mouth. So it's inhale through the nose, exhale through the nose, and then at the end of the exhale, blow the rest of the breath out through the mouth. It's like we're clearing out the stale, old air that gets stuck in the lungs. Most of the time, we only exhale about 40%. So this will be a really good way to clear energy out and create space and room to really take in a full, deep breath after that. So again, to review, it's inhale down to the belly, exhale through the nose first, and then sort of at the bottom of the exhale, blow the rest of the breath out through the mouth and cleanse the stale chi or air out of the body. And then inhale again through the nose, exhale through the nose, and at the bottom of the exhale, blow the rest of the breath out through the mouth. And then you just continue. You do that for about, oh, two to three minutes, and it'll transform stress into vitality. Wonderful. So you called that the cleansing breath, meaning it's a, a breath that we would do any time we wanted to clear stress. Clear stress. And it's, it's particularly good to do at the end of the day. It's even fine to do kind of driving home at the end of the day. So you kind of let, energetically let your workday go and create a, a bridge or a transition into from work to going home. But you can do it any time, you know, even after you've had a stressful event, an argument, some challenging situation, or when any of you, ever you feel like your mind is a little bit turbulent, you can use that breath and it'll drop your energy back into your center. Very good. Now, Lee, I want to cycle back for a second. We were talking in the beginning of the conversation about the view in uh, Qigong about disease and healing and how a disease can begin in our energy system before it manifests physically. And what has been occurring to me is what about something like, you know, an injury on the sports field, like the one that you referred to, or even just, you know, a car accident. I mean, there's so many other ways that physical damage descends upon us where it seems like we wouldn't necessarily know it was in our energy field first? Or what's the Qigong view of that? Well, you know, all kinds of different ways where we can, you know, have some physical bodily challenge, you know. And wherever it starts, there's a way in which Qigong can help unwind the tension or tightness. Oftentimes it comes from, let's say, stressful you know, emotional stress like we were talking about, but sometimes it comes from just a sudden impact or a, a sports injury like I was describing. And then we're really working with the physicality because then the bridge is from physical to emotional. Because most people, when they get hurt, there's an emotional reaction to it. 
There'll be the emotional reaction of disappointment, frustration with their body. Why am I not healing fast? Why did this happen to me? And then that emotional stress from the physical injury can actually keep it rooted longer. So wherever the original, you know, say force of impact or imbalance occurred, we want to be able to start working with our emotional reaction to it, our stress from it, and be able to rekindle or ignite the inner healer that we have within. You know, Chinese medicine was really interesting. It really has its root in preventative medicine, in prevention. And the way that it worked in certain communities in Asia was that you would pay your healthcare practitioner, like an acupuncturist, herbalist, um, medical Qigong practitioner, a monthly fee as long as you were healthy. Your fee goes down as soon as you have problems or you get sick. So that the goal of the practitioner was to continuously figure out ways to keep your energy strong, to continue to put you on the path of health and vitality. And as soon as problems occurred, then payments go down. So it's the exact opposite of our healthcare system. We don't pay our doctors anything until we have problems. And in terms of Chinese medicine, we say that whatever you focus on, if you're focusing on sickness, it has a tendency to expand and grow. If you're focusing on health, then that you're infusing that intention with more energy. So prevention really kept people strong and healthy and vital. And even when you do have problems, what happens is that your body's already in a state where it's strong and energetically intact. Now, you know, I've heard that before, that Chinese doctors are aid according to how well they can keep you well. Is that really true, Lee, or is that a legend? Is that a legend? Well, you know, I think that is really true, and it's, it's not, let's say, everywhere, especially now, because even in China now, it's, you know, they've really gone to more of a Western medicine model. Even the way Chinese medicine works there, it's, it's extremely powerful, but there is a, a big integration of the Western world. In theory, though, it works extremely well. I mean, it's written through the Chinese medicine classics, like uh, there's a saying that says, don't dig a well when you're dying of thirst. That was an old, you know, traditional Chinese medicine saying, meaning that don't wait till you're sick to work on, your, on getting healthy. Work on health before you're sick and you continuously stay healthy. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of wisdom there. Okay. Now, I know the tradition, the lineage of Qigong that you've been primarily trained in. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's through Montak Chia. Is that correct? That is correct. And I, you know, I started going to Thailand and Southeast Asia. Uh, I was a ghostwriter for him. So meaning that I helped him write a whole bunch of books. And at that time, it was easy to go, say, to Hong Kong or to Tokyo or Indonesia as part of my way to Thailand to help out uh, in writing his book. So I got to study with lots of different teachers. And it gave me a really well-rounded background into the world of Qigong, which is really vast. I mean, there, in Asia, there's, there's a few, you know, hundred, or there's 50 million people practicing Qigong. And there's three or 4,000 different styles. And so what I wanted to do was distill a lot of this esoteric wisdom and bring it into, you know, for my patients or for my classes in a really practical way for our Western world. 
And Montak Chia does that beautifully. He takes a lot of esoteric Taoist chi wisdom and makes it applicable to, to Westerners. What would you say is unique about Montak Chia's form of presenting Qigong? What are some of the unique features? You know, I just think he's an excellent presenter and speaker. He's extremely funny. He's uh, really genuine, and he he delivers the message, you know, from his heart. He just loves his work so much, and he really wants to share. Some of the wisdom and some of the teachings have been sort of held secret for such a long time that for him, it's he really feels that it's time in our modern life that this ancient wisdom come out in a way that's that's really beneficial and that it's all the secrecy and sort of family tradition it's time to move past that and really use this wisdom for you know where we are in our evolution so can you give me an example of what would have been considered a secret or hidden teaching that he's brought forward well i think i think you know for example some of the sexual practices of taoism were always considered secret and he just you know brought those out in such a in such a way that was really open, honest, and he took a lot of criticism from other Qigong teachers. The sexual practice and maybe techniques like the microcosmic orbit, which are, you know, in our home study course, those were usually family secrets or even martial arts secrets because people who practiced those developed internal power and strength that gave them sort of an advantage over other practitioners whether it was, you know, a family practice of medicine or a martial arts tradition. So techniques like that were really held in close regard, in, and even still in China, it's not all out in the open like it is here in the West. Mm-hmm. And is the reason for the secrecy would be to sort of protect your power? I think there was some of that, but I also think that the, there was a lot of pressure from the government, because once you become resourceful at working with your energy and working with all of your energy, whether it's, you know, emotional energy, sexual energy, mental energy, spiritual energy. How does it all work together is sort of the question in Qigong. And we don't want to deny any of those energies their place or power. Having people be able to find wisdom internally meant that they didn't have to look outside themselves for the correct answers. And, you know, for... China at the time, they, they wanted people to look to the government for answers, for wisdom. Just maybe similar to, you know, in the West, the church would like you to look to them for your connection to your answers to a higher source. So these practices are really self-empowering as opposed to the focus being external. Mm-hmm. Well, because I'm very interested in liberating secrets that will help people find their power. Let's go into both of these, the sexual practices and the microcosmic orbit, just a little bit. Sure, and they go well together. Okay, so give us a brief introduction. Okay. Well, the brief introduction, I think, into maybe a big overview is something called the three treasures of Chinese medicine, the three treasures being the, the energies in the body and in, within ourselves that are most sacred and most powerful. The three treasures are stored in the body in, in different locations, maybe like in the Indian system, it would be in the chakras, these kind of vortexes of energy. The three treasures are what they call Jing, Qi, and Shen, and they translate to essence or sexual energy. Qi, the Qi center in the body is in the heart center, so this would be 
the emotional center of the body, so emotion. And then the upper center in the head would be translated as consciousness or spirit. So we have sexual energy, heart energy, and consciousness. And how do we work with all three of those energies? The sexual practice was designed as a way to harness internal power and strength because sexual energy in and of itself is neither good nor bad. It just has a a strong primordial charge and that we infuse ourselves with that energy or we cultivate that energy internally as a way to feel connected. So sexual energy doesn't just mean about how we connect with each other in terms of our relationships, but sexual energy as a source of chi or life force, um, as a source of creative power and a source where we feel connected to our higher power, say. Sexual energy in in terms of its um, energetic components is the force that's unifying. So usually we use sexual energy in relationships to create a, a unity of energy between ourselves and our partner. Most spiritual traditions have some kind of sexual practice, whether they just say, don't do it and it's a sin, or whether it's like in Taoism, they talk pretty openly about sexual energy and how it can transform your physical state or transform a state of feeling closed off, encapsulated in your skin to more expanded and feeling connected to the universe. So it has a big component in terms of health vitality, emotional balance and our connection with each other, as well as our spiritual connection to the divine, whatever that might be for somebody. Now, the microcosmic orbit is a pathway of energy that circulates in your body. It's a meridian pathway. And by moving energy through the microcosmic orbit, in a sense, it balances or creates an open pathway of communication between those three treasures, between sexuality, emotional energy, and consciousness. And by finding that integration, we become theoretically more in tune and more harmonized within ourselves. Now, you said it's a meridian pathway. Can you describe the pathway of the microcosmic orbit? Mm, Sure. And meridian basically means uh, a river of energy, a river of energy. And so to create that balance, we want to move energy both in yin and yang meaning we want to move it in the yin side and the yang side of the body so that we're balanced. The yang side of the body is the back of the body. So the meridian, it starts by moving upward through the spine to the head, and then it comes down from the head, down the front of the body, through the mid-eye area, the throat, the heart center, and down to the belly, and creates a circular loop. Um, The way that we think of it is that, for example, just like in nature, water will rise up, in terms of it'll evaporate up and then it'll form and collect in the sky and then from clouds it rains back down. It's the same kind of cycle. So in our bodies, we're going to create this steaming effect where energy rises up like mist through the spine, kind of collects in the head and energizes the brain and then washes back down through all the internal organs. So microcosmic orbit will recycle internal energy, and that way it gives you back a lot of vitality that normally is lost if you don't do some kind of practice like this. And so you're breathing in, and the microcosmic orbit begins in the lower belly and comes up, and then on the out-breath goes down the front? 
you can think of the the orbit is you know there's lots of different on ramps into this kind of super highway of energy. You know, sometimes we start with the mid eye, like in the forehead, where you'd breathe energy. Maybe you'd visualize golden light coming into the mid eye, and then you'd send it down on an exhale down the front of the body, and then you'd inhale and draw it up the spine, and exhale, draw it down, and then you just circulate. Usually, it's inhale coming upward, kind of like you're sipping the chi through a straw, and exhale, you'd allow that energy to go back down. And what is the result of spending time circulating energy through the microcosmic orbit? A couple of different things. In terms of meditation, I think it really helps to create some stillness in the mind. It's it's like an energetic mantra. Because you're focusing on the energy and the life force in your body, it's going to help you to stay, your consciousness to stay rooted rather than allowing your mind to just wander from thought to thought. So it really helps with that mindfulness and that stilling of the mind. It also, because we're focusing on energy, again, in Chinese medicine, what you focus on has a tendency to grow and get stronger. So by focusing on energy, your life force is going to grow and get stronger. Energy um, strengthens in the body. And then by moving it back and forth or up and down, it helps to create this harmony and balance because the yin and the yang energy of the body, when they become out of balance, that's when we get problems. So this creates that internal harmony as well. And then just to connect the dots, so to speak, how does the microcosmic orbit and knowing how to circulate energy through it relate to sexual practices? Okay, so the sexual practice, for example, normally sexual energy wants to go down and out. That's a normal pathway. But what the Taoists said was that you could internally cultivate this energy, meaning that it doesn't have to go down and out of the body. You could have more uh, control of that energy and use it to bring that orgasmic, blissful, pleasurable energy internally. You know, the whole body is really about being open to feeling good and to pleasure. So by cultivating orgasmic energy, we're allowing that energy to circulate. And the way that it's circulated is by moving it through the microcosmic orbit. So from the sexual center, the energy would rise up the spine, charge and nourish the nervous system, move through the endocrine system by stimulating the the glands in the brain, and then wash down through the internal organs. So the, the energy was called the elixir because it had this rejuvenating, blissful quality to it. And do men and women circulate energy in sexual contact in the same way? They can, and they don't. Also, they don't have to. But for the most part, the recommendation is to do go up the spine and down the front. There are some readings where they say women can move it up the front and down the back, as opposed to moving it up the back and down the front. So they just do it in the reverse, in the reverse way, because the yin. Some you know, a lot of times women are more in touch with that yin feminine energy, and sometimes it's easier to bring it up the front. There's some precautions, though, of bringing energy up the front can sort of overheat the heart center and create fiery emotional energy. And so that's why they recommend to just do it the same way, bringing it up the back. In a way, it's distilling the energy because it's going through the nervous system, so your body absorbs and assimilates it a little bit better. 
charges the brain, and then it, it kind of has a more cooling quality as it comes down the front, meaning it cools and relaxes the mind, cools and relaxes the heart and the emotional center, and goes back to the belly center. Women are so flexible, you know what I mean? That's right, you know? Now, That's great. Lee, I know we were talking very briefly before this conversation began, and you mentioned to me that you've just come back from a trip where you were with Montauk Chia. And I'm curious, what practices were you doing? What were you working on? Well, this was a this was a really fun experience because it was a congress. It was a Taoist congress, and this was at a center in Chiang Mai. His teachers from all over the world came from Europe, from Australia, from America, and we all, each of us, all his senior instructors gave various courses on particular aspects of Taoism. So somebody was giving a course on on sexuality, somebody else was giving a course on internal alchemy, somebody else on movement and meditation. And so it was just a coming together of his 30 years of teaching in in America and a, basically just a celebration. And it was amazing to just see all these incredible teachers from all over the world and sort of how they've distilled the information that they've learned from him and you know made it their own and integrated into their life wherever they were. And what did you teach on? I taught on uh, movement and meditation. I taught on the microcosmic orbit. I taught a little bit. I was on a couple of panels where they had questions and answers on male sexual energy and the purpose of that in terms of spirituality. Mm, I'd be curious to know a little bit about that, that final panel. That, that you final yeah. that male sexual energy and spirituality? Yeah. yeah. That's the juicy one, huh? This was a great. It was a great panel because it was Montauk Chia and a, and a few of his senior instructors, and then people just were asking questions because in Taoism, sexual energy for men has a big connection to ejaculation. Let's say so. They, the theory is that men lose energy on ejaculation, and in Taoism, they separate ejaculation and orgasm. Where in the West, we kind of think of those as one and the same, but not every time we, let's say, have sex, we want to procreate. We want to be able to use sex and sexual energy for the energetic connection or the energetic positive feelings of it. So Taoism separates that as a way, in a way, and it allows it to circulate inside. And now there's lots of techniques on how to do that practice, which, you know, we did a whole course with Sounds True on those Taoist sexual secrets. But for the men's practice, it was a way to separate those two energies and distill orgasmic energy within the body as a way of transforming that energy for higher vibration and for awakening consciousness. So what you're saying is it's possible for a man to have an orgasm without ejaculating. Correct. Exactly. And to have more than one of those kinds of orgasms. It's kind of been coined like multi-orgasmic man, but it's not really like that. It's it's really about this distilling of the energy and having that orgasmic energy circulating inside so that there's a continual building of that energy and sort of internal pleasure, both for pleasure and also for awakening consciousness. Lee, you're the multi-orgasmic man. I, man, oh, there you go. Okay, I can't help myself. <laughs> Is that why I'm always smiling? Well, I do actually want to talk about the smile for a moment. Okay, well, there you go. Because it does seem like this idea of an inner smile, or I know in the Qigong for Health and Healing course, you talk about having a smile that comes through your eyes. 
What's the big deal in Qigong about the inner smile? Well, it's sort of an extension of what we've been talking about because smiling energy is an energy that comes from within that's that has a positive intent or blissful energy behind it. You can use the inner smile both in terms of self-healing or in terms of feeling connected. And smiling energy really has to do with lightness and levity. When we don't take everything too seriously, our hearts are lighter. When we get too serious about things, we're in, in Taoism, we, we're saying that we're getting stuck in our, in our egos and the way that we think the world should be rather than the way the world is. And so that with the inner smile, there's a certain acceptance of how things are, just as they are, without trying to mentally manipulate the way we think it should be. And when we use it for self-healing, we're taking that inner smile and reflecting it into ourselves and channeling that positive energy into our own bodies. So we all know that laughing and having a sense of humor has incredible effects on our immune system. Well, smiling has the same kind of effect. So we're smiling into ourselves, and really the technique is smiling to all our internal organs or to problem areas in our bodies to create this shift and transformation in our physiology. So to do the inner smile, do I actually, you know, make a smiley-ish kind of face with my mouth? It's not a, you know, it's, that's a good question, but it's not a posing for a picture smile. It's more like if you think of the Mona Lisa, like you, you smile kind of like you know a secret, but it's, it's a smiling is described as it comes from your eyes, almost like you're watching a sunset and you're just letting that golden light bask onto your face and the smile that would come from something like that. Hmm. So is that something that you just do like while you're driving in the car or something like that? The, the I think smile? it's a great thing to do when you're, when you're driving or anytime. And it's a, it's a bit contagious too. It's just that positive energy can, can be contagious. Okay. So Lee, it's obvious to me that you love Qigong. You absolutely love it. Yes, I do. Yeah. I mean, I can hear the enthusiasm. And what I'm curious about is, is there any part of your life, maybe your relationships or business life or anything where you've sort of felt, you know, I love Qigong. I I practice all the time, but Qigong hasn't helped me with this. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I I think... It all, I mean, there's lots of different challenges in life for sure. And the skillfulness in which you use your chi practice is always something that can be more refined or improved upon for sure. I mean, I think, you know, how how you are in your business life and all your relationships, sometimes that is the, the cauldron where the fire is the hottest. Yeah, I think I, I think especially in business and in relationships, that's where it, it's most noticeable in your everyday life. So there's there's your qigong practice, that's your formal practice. I would say, it's you know you set aside an hour or two and you practice your qigong, and then there's your everyday life and how it seeps into your everyday life. But that's the harder practice. That's the practice where you're you know where life becomes challenging, and you you know the goal is to be able to create that bridge where the flow and the enjoyment and the blissfulness of your practice gets translated into every aspect of your life. And I definitely notice that when I'm practicing my Qigong, the flow and the effortlessness in my everyday life is greatly improved. 
I'm curious if in, you know, the last few years you've hit any spots where you thought, wow, you know, my Qigong practice isn't delivering what I need right now. Or have you always felt that you could return to it and it would sort of open up the flow of your life for you? I think both. I think both. I've, I've always felt like I could sort of return to it. And then at the same time, I felt like, well, why isn't it working better? You know, if if I was really practicing well, or then I wouldn't have this problem or this challenge with this person, or my body would feel better in this regard. And I think, you know, I've pushed, you know, I, personally, I've pushed the boundaries of my energy a lot over the last two years. I mean, I have two local businesses where I've started some integrative medicine centers, which is, you know, a, a bit cutting edge in terms of the way we practice because we have an, an MD on board and we're teaching Qigong classes and we're, we're doing some things that are, are a bit cutting edge. So we get some challenging situations from creating that new kind of energy. And then having a family and twins especially, you know, all of that and traveling and teaching and creating DVDs, all that has been taxing on my personal energy. But it's been, you know, despite the challenges, it's been a, a joy and a and a pleasure to just kind of push that and see how far I could take my internal energy. Um, but there's definitely been times where I've like, oh wow, I've I've overdone it. Mm-hmm. I've done too much. I mean, last year I made nine DVDs and had the businesses, had two babies, and did a bunch of traveling. So I was like, wow, that was a that was a whirlwind. Yeah, and then. You know, finding where is the center of the circle? Where is that place where I can come back to and be centered and creative and resourceful is also a challenge to not get swept up in the drama of everyday life situations to return to your place of presence and center. My final question is we've talked a lot about Qigong practice and even some of the view, the map of the Qigong practice. But what I'm curious about to end is I'd love to know the three principles, Taoist principles, underlying principles of the Qigong practice that have really been guiding lights for you in your life. Okay. You just just so you could pick three right now. I won't hold you to it tomorrow, but right okay, now, the first just, three that occur to you. The first three that occur to me, and I'll just pick three of the elements. Let's say water, fire, and air, kind of those three, because really what those represent is relaxation, is water. And relaxation, it doesn't mean like sitting on the couch with the remote. It means being in the flow and being able to, to be in a water-like space within your life, meaning that you're going to flow around obstacles and you're going with a certain flow of your life purpose. And when you do Qigong, it's all about relaxation. So you're consciously putting yourself into a flow in terms of your body movement, and then what happens is it translates into more of a flow in your life where life happens more effortlessly and more enjoyably. So one principle, that's the water principle. The fire principle is enjoyment. I think, you know, with Qigong practice, we, we did kind of talk a little bit about the heart and sexual energy. Well, heart energy and sexual energy are the two most powerful in the body. When we can awaken and send that loving energy or that orgasmic, blissful energy and circulate it inside, life becomes more adventuresome, enjoyable, and passionate. And, you know, for me, that's an incredible practice and cultivation to be able to bring that from within to your life. 
And then energy, qi. It, it, you know, when we're doing our qigong practice, we're working with energy or we're working with the fundamental building blocks of ourselves, whether it's our body, whether it's emotion, whether it's consciousness. Everything is built on that internal energy. And it's incredibly empowering when you can touch on the fundamental parts and building blocks of who you are. Because ultimately, when we look at and reflect on what our life's about, it's that discovery of who we are, and energy and chi is fundamental to answering that question. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you, Lee. I can attest that Lee Holden is one of the most energetic authors that I've ever worked with and one of the most productive. Here from Sounds True, we've released a new home study course with Lee called Qigong for Health and Healing, and it includes six CDs of teachings, five DVDs of different Qigong practices, 34 illustrated reflection cards that have different Taoist principles that you can sit with and contemplate, along with a 127-page workbook. Lee's also taking this Qigong for Health and Healing home study course and bringing it online beginning on October 25th at Sounds True, an online course, Lee will be appearing to answer people's questions about Qigong for Health and Healing. And you may be working with a specific health challenge or simply in the preventative way to keep yourself healthy. And this online course will address all of the different aspects of emotional Qigong, spiritual Qigong, and physical strength. Lee has also created, just in the last couple years here with Sounds True, two other audio learning courses, one on Taoist sexual secrets, along with co-author Rachel Abrams, the author of a book, The Multi-Orgasmic Woman, and then also a series called Your Body of Light, which are exercises from the Qigong tradition. Maybe say just a moment, Lee, about Your Body of Light and what that focuses on. Okay, yeah, the body of light is a, it's more of a meditation, how Qigong and meditation work together. If this has to do with sort of, it's a little bit more esoteric practice, it kind of picks up, you know, where the Qigong, the physical and emotional practice of Qigong leaves off, it gets really into the spiritual side. How do we use our qi and our qigong practice to think about questions like what happens after we die, what happens to our bodies, what happens to consciousness, and it starts to bring the extension of our own personal energy into a larger context. And then finally, uh, one more item that Lee has been working with sounds true on. In the spring of 2011, he'll be leading a qigong trip to China, where you'll be able to do Qigong morning and evening practice, as well as taking a trip to China. And if you would like more information on any of these programs, the online course with Lee Holden, or the trip to China, it's all available at SoundsTrue.com. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. 